Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Good afternoon and a warm welcome to you. This is The Call, the 10 companies picked by you, two expert guests, one stock of the day, all in the course of 60 minutes on this Thursday, the 9th of February. All right, we've got a great show lined up for you, as per usual, if I dare say, here joining me for the full hour in studio, Michael Gable from Fairmont Equities. Michael, welcome. Nice to see you. Thank you. And we also have David Lane from Ordmanet joining us from up in Brizzy. Hey, David, welcome to the program. Look, um, just while we've got you here, any early, in early impressions from reporting season thus far? Uh, so far, it's actually been a reasonable reporting season. We haven't had too many shockers as yet. Uh, often at this time of the year, we have the, the confession season and, and uh, you know, those companies that are, are going to disappoint come out early. Um, but overall, it's been relatively positive so far. So, uh, yeah, we'll continue to see. Um, obviously, keeping an eye on um, not just the results, but the outlook from management. And I think that's probably more important than the historical results uh, this reporting season. Yeah, agreed. Hey, Michael, um, we know that you also look at things from not just a fundamental, but a technical perspective as well, which I've got to say our viewers love. Um, the the S&P ASX 200 is above that 7,500 level. Mm. How key? Like, is that just even number, just something psychological, or is that some sort of a key level? Um, well, sort of both in a way. It's a key level because it is it is psychological. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, that's just the way it is. I mean, our market's had a phenomenal run since the start of January, and I think, I have to admit, I didn't expect that kind of move um, Well, you're not so the only quickly. one if it makes you feel better. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, but it is, I mean, the momentum has started to die out over the last week or two. Um, that run is looking a bit tired. You know, does that mean the market therefore is going to go backwards. I mean, sometimes you get a bit of a cooling off where it just heads sideways. So um, in the last 12 months, when the market has been this overboard, it has pulled back pretty sharply, but so far it is holding in there. And if I have a look, um, there was an instance um, in 2021, I think it was around the third quarter of the year, um, where the market was at these sorts of extreme levels in terms of how far it had run. Um, and started to cool off, but instead of falling back, it just meandered sideways for a bit, and then it started the slow grind higher. So we could see something like that. It's not, it's not out of the question, but um, definitely it's, yeah, look at fairly high levels, near an all-time high. Um, you know, the market got a little bit spooked the other day with a commentary after the, um, the rate decision, you know, in terms of what happened, that was expected, but, but maybe not the accompanying commentary. So, um, yeah, next few days be interesting to see if we can hold up or not. Okay, well, let's uh, see if any of these companies that we discussed today have anything to do with it. Um, I'll start on that with the stock that we will be talking about this half hour. Zipco IAG, we heard from one of the insurers yesterday. In fact, we've got uh, Suncorp on this program as well, if I do recall. Lendlease, Alcom, and Chalice. But the stock of the day is 
elders. Now, if you recall around this time yesterday, we saw elders dropping. It was down about 7% by the end of the session. And this came after it apparently briefed some investors privately. And we did have elders have to come to market to explain the price query. Now, elders did say that uh, there was no real reason why any of the information that was disclosed within those presentations should have caused its share price to drop. It's saying not aware of any information that had not been announced, which if known by some of the market could explain the recent trading in its security. So today they've come to market. They're obviously doing a presentation at Goldman Sachs and being very uh, transparent about what they are presenting to these investors. And uh, just a couple of headlines coming from it. Just that, um, look, the Abares summer crop outlook has been complicated by recent unseasonable rainfall. And uh, the market outlook in that is that there's a favorable outlook for FY23, a moderated following unseasonable spring rainfall. So there you go. That's our stock of the day. Elders currently today up by 2.7%. I'll start with you, David Lane in Brisbane, to get a view on Elders. I mean, was yesterday a golden buying opportunity in this company that really has been firing on all cylinders? Well, it has, and it's it's been a, uh, I suppose, a beneficiary of, of the global scenario that we've had with high uh, cattle prices, high wheat prices, uh, sheep prices, etc., uh, and the demand for for fresh food has been very positive. So it's had a good period. And I think reading through the announcement uh, or the, the investment presentation that they sent through today, I think what the market may have been spooked about is the the outlook uh, going forward in that we are seeing a softening of, of prices for cattle and sheep. And those ABEAR forecasts are that we will see a, a less positive um, production year next year. and. Uh, but yeah, in terms of that value, um, they've come off significantly. Their shares uh, are trading, uh, you know, just above that nine dollar mark. The P/E ratio is eight point seven times. Dividend yield of six percent, or over six percent at the moment. So, from a value point of view, uh, it does stack up very well. Um, have to say, it's not a stock that we have covered, so we don't have an official recommendation on it. Um, but I guess if you uh, want some exposure to that uh, agricultural sector. It is difficult to get that through a, a listed investment. Um, shares are, are relatively priced, um, or reasonably priced at, at current levels. Um, but it is a bit concerning when you see the share price falling off as, as much as it has. And I'm, I'm sure Michael will um, yeah, let us know what the, the charts are saying uh, as far as that share price decline is concerned. But you would hold if you were in it? I'd probably, yeah, definitely be holding it uh, and potentially be, you know, if it's a stock that you've got in your portfolio, look at, at the share price weakness as a, a potential opportunity to, to add it at reasonably attractive levels. Okay, thank you, uh, Michael Elders. Mm. It is, look, I'd find this too difficult to, to hold, to be honest. I mean, obviously a year ago, it was a completely different story. Things were looking great for for their business. But as, as David mentioned, prices have started to moderate over the past 12 months. Um, so you've got that um, you know, situation where prices are, are heading back. We've had excess rainfall. Uh, as viewers will recall, last, last November, we had you know, CEO resign and, um, and a softer outlook than expected. So yeah, the momentum had, has definitely 
you know, definitely turned the corner several months ago and, um, and things are going against the company. Uh, and I guess yesterday's sell-off was potentially a lot of investors thinking, well, you know, the, given that, that momentum, they were a bit worried they were going to get another sort of shock, um, sh- you know, shocking set of numbers. Because I think when the shares fell in November, we are talking sort of 30, 40% type falls mm. on the day, or maybe it was 20 something percent, but you know, not, not, a, not a pretty picture. So look, it's rebounded today by about 3%. Um, I think on relief that, you know, the outlook is still quite positive, but, it is, but that is only an outlook, an outlook and that could change pretty quickly. So, so you'd um, be selling it sounds like. Look, I'd, I'd keep a, if I was holding it, I'd keep a close eye on what today and tomorrow brings. If the selling doesn't start to kick in again, and it starts to hold here, then we could assume that, okay, everyone that wanted to sell it has done so and maybe it could start to increase. But I'd then be looking at an opportunity to get out. I just I just think a stock that could you know, provide an outlook and drop 20 something percent in a day is just too risky. It did it in November. It did something similar in around, I think, sort of eight, uh, May last year. Um, yeah, just that sort of volatility, I think is just a bit bit dangerous. I think if you were, you know, if you, if you, if you were a farmer yourself and you were quite into in, into that industry and you could you could pick up on the nuances of how things are going, um, you know you might have a bit more insight. But I think from from sitting here at the desk, I just don't have enough in confidence. Sydney, yeah. yeah, you know, sitting <laughs> at a desk a in a suit. You know, I'm not the kind of guy to ask. I just think it's a bit too risky. Okay, got it. Thank you. Too hard basket for Michael, really, in a nutshell. All right, let's get on to the companies that have been nominated by you. Uh, Zipco is first on the list. Now, as we know, uh, David, we'll start with you. OpenPay has gone bust. Now, I'm not saying that OpenPay was a major competitor to Zip, but uh, you could look at that as a cautionary tale or as an expression of the fact that we're going to see consolidation in this sector, that there will be a couple of dominant players, of which the question is, will Zip be one? Is the business model still sound, uh, particularly as rates rise? Yeah, they're all very good questions. Uh, and absolutely, I think that uh, yeah, we will see consolidation in that sector. Uh, open pay isn't really a big competitor to Zip. Uh, Zip, although it's listed here, most of its business is in the US. Uh, they did have some businesses in other parts of the world, which they've actually been um, closing uh, exposure to, to Mexico, uh, Europe and, and other parts, uh, which they've actually um, been yeah, reducing their exposure and now are focusing on the US. Uh, and the positive thing about Zip is that they've, in their last update in November and December, they were moving towards uh, being cash flow positive. Um, and their target is that by the end of uh, uh, 2023, that their US business will be cash flow positive and their overall business, they want to be cash flow positive by 2024. So it is moving in the right direction. Uh, it does have uh, about $78 million worth of, of cash and liquidity. So it, it is a business that um, does have a, a viable operation. They do have a, a good market share in that space. One of the concerns with the the buy now pay later sector has been the bad and doubtful debts and you mentioned the the impact of interest rates one of the positive things in their result was that their bad and doubtful debts has actually declined um so it's uh sitting at about one and a half percent so that was an improvement as well so as far as the 
the business is concerned it's moving in the right direction, um, still not making money, it's important to, to make that distinction that although it's cash flow positive on a monthly basis, it's still a long way away from actual profitability. Um, but they've got enough capital and liquidity to be able to um, sustain the business over the, the next couple of years. Having said all that, uh, as far as investments concerned, we've got a whole recommendation on it. Uh, our target price is 70 cents. We've seen the share price drop a little bit recently, so it's sitting at 60 cents. Um, but it is still a very, very volatile sector. Uh, we've seen a, a bit of an improvement in it over the last two months with the, the US tech sector improving. Um, but yeah, it's it's for the, the very high risk um, investors. And it, it's a reasonable business, but we've got a hold on it at the moment. Thank you. Michael, zip. It's mm. uh, fraught with a regulatory risk as well. Exactly. And that's, to me, that's just, uh, you know, another negative. And I think there are just too many negatives sort of stacked up against, against this business. So, you know, as we know, it's down about 80, 90% from, from its recent, um, recent highs that was achieved. Yeah, when the market was happy to pay up for companies that weren't making money and were trading on PEs of you know 100 mm -hmm. or, or something silly like times that. Times so have changed. Times have changed and they're not going to change very soon. So even I think the mistake some people are making is thinking, okay, once they stop raising interest rates, the party might be on for tech stocks. Maybe not those that are still not making money because rates aren't going back to zero. They might just stay at you know 4% or whatever you want to call it. So, so I think that yeah, as, as David mentioned, they're still not making money. Um, you, you've got bad debts that could get worse with, with higher rates. I know it's dropping, but, but it's still there. And the regulatory risk, I think, is a, a big issue. I don't think that's going to go away. I think the screws will continue to be turned on, on companies like Zip. So I guess the only positive is that if they can you know, get cash flow positive at the dates that, that, that David mentioned, then that would be great. But I, you know, what are the chances that they miss that slightly because of all these other concerns and then suddenly the market thinks oh it's just you know it's just too hard basket and it's back to back to 30 cents again so yeah to me it's just too too risky i, I think that yeah i think it's just not the right time for unprofitable tech companies and i can't see uh, i can't see them catching a bid anytime soon there's plenty of other opportunities in the market okay so that's an avoid for you all yep. right let's get on to the next company on the list which is IAG and this one is for Sally. Okay, so we had a bit of a an insight into the insurers, Michael, yesterday with Suncorp. They mm. can make money in a rising interest rate environment, uh, not only from their leverage to you know rates themselves, but also because it, mm. inflation is ripe, they put through premium increases. Yeah. Flip side to that is that insurance is a tough business. How do you rate IAG? Yeah, um, so I've always thought in yeah. Insurance is a, a tough business as you have the, you know, the, the unforeseen events that, that come out of nowhere and, um, and can, can affect their profitability. Um, the situation is a little bit better for insurers at the moment. Um, yeah, look, the Suncorp numbers, you know, that, that was a pleasant surprise, but yeah, I just, I just wonder how long it might last. I mean, we've seen IG. You know, lift up almost um, 20% from from those lows in June. So maybe, again, maybe that's sort of as good as it's going to get for the moment because previously when we, we heard from, from IAG 
um, specifically their their numbers or, or outlook was a little bit disappointing. I think that was a few weeks or so ago. So um, yeah, again, I'd, I'd put it in the, the too hard basket, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Okay, so that is an avoid. You, would you sell it if you were in it? The good times have been had? Yeah, look, it's um, even though, as I mentioned earlier, it's, it's recovered about 20% off those lows, there really isn't a trend in it anymore. It's it's had a bit of a bounce, but but it's a very choppy looking chart. And I think that selling into strength is, is what you do with that sort of chart. Okay. And um, look, I'm breaking the rules. Rule book is going out because it's silly to be talking about IG now and then avoiding Suncorp, which comes up later in the program. So look, David, feel free to sort of talk about IAG as well as Suncorp. And I will return to you with the buy, hold, sell for Suncorp. David Lane in Brisbane, uh, what do you make of IAG for Sally? And um, yeah, you know, contrast and compare it with Suncorp because we actually have information to go on from the report that came through yesterday. Yeah, exactly. And and yeah, I think both uh, are in obviously the same industry and in similar conditions at the moment. Um, IAG, we've got a hold recommendation on it. Uh, they have a, a fairly large exposure to New Zealand and, and have been impacted by the Auckland floods. Um, they, as a result of that, they think that the floods will cost about $236 million in terms of the, the reinsurance. So they've actually increased their provisions for um, natural disasters uh, this year by 26%. So they've increased that to about $1.15 billion. Uh, and that is what, what you know, the main risk of insurance companies is that uh, they're exposed to natural disasters that they've got no control over. Um, you know, we've got a, a cyclone off the coast of Queensland at the moment that at this point in time they're saying may probably won't hit the coast, but who knows. Uh, so. Yeah, we've got a hold recommendation on it, similar to what Michael was saying in that um, it's not compelling value at present. Uh, we think the fair value of it is about 550, uh, so a little bit above where it is, but can't see any great reason to be jumping into IAG at the moment. Um, contrasting that to Suncorp in some respects, Suncorp still has their banking business uh, as part of that and they're going through the process of selling that to um, ANZ for about $4.9 billion. Uh, Interestingly, in the last week or two, they've also said that they're interested in in selling their New Zealand uh, insurance business. So looking at a at a much um, reduced Suncorp focusing on that that insurance book. but also, like IAG, we've got a hold recommendation on uh, Suncorp as well. So I think the fair value there is about $13. They're trading only slightly below that at the moment. Um, but the Suncorp result was actually more positive than, than what we thought. Uh, you know, their, their margins were quite good. And I guess the medium to long-term positive about both companies, as you said, is that they're exposed to rising interest rates and investment value. Uh, so there is the potential that they can um, you know, get some good returns out of investment markets. Um, and interestingly, you know, Warren Buffett, his favourite business is Geico, which is his insurance business. And, and he's really been able over the years to use that uh, insurance money that sits in the markets to invest in other businesses. In Australia, we're a lot more conservative and, and IAG and Suncorp haven't really done that. Um, Maybe with the sale of the banking business, Suncorp uh, management might be a little bit more aggressive and and might uh, get some better return on equity over the longer term. But uh, that remains to be seen. 
Well, okay. Now, I will just push the point a little bit because specifically, sorry, I don't have the viewer's name in front of me, but uh, in relation to Suncorp, uh, now that we've got this information in front of us, the viewer says, would Suncorp outperform the index or should I sell it and buy the index via an ETF like VAS? What do you think, David? Well, yeah, that's the I guess one of the big questions about um, you know investing. I suppose do you uh, diversify or, or have specific company bets? Um, in terms of SunCorp against the index, I think it probably won't outperform the index. It's it doesn't really have any uh, real reason to do so. The next six months will be a little bit of a holding pattern for it until it goes through the the process of selling ANZ. So. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's a difficult one to, to say you, you sell it and then buy the index. Um, but I think, you know, there are better investments around in the market. Uh, yeah, we, we would hold it if you've got it in the portfolio. But if you're looking for that absolute bet, yeah, you'll probably do better elsewhere than, than in Suncorp. Okay, good. Now, Michael, return mm. to you for Suncorp view and also uh, would you sell it if it's a sell? Would yeah. you prefer to be gaining exposure to the broader index via an ETF? Um, I think that, yeah, that as, as David mentioned, the result was was better than expected, and you know they seem to be doing well. So, you know, there's a bit of buying coming into that unexpected result. So I'd I'd be holding it, but I'd be looking for a chance to sell, because again, I just think insurers are, are very difficult. You've you've got you know you've got the banking arm which they're going to get rid of anyway, but. You know, I've never been a fan of the regional banks as a as an investment because unfortunately the big four are just too too powerful. So I'd be looking for an opportunity to sell Suncorp at some point. Um, and yeah, I mean even now compared to um, compared to the index. So if you think, okay, well the half half of the index is about the top twenty stocks in mm -hmm. reality. Um, and in there you've got you've got the big four banks. So the big four banks are better than Suncorp's banks, so we've got that. Um, You've got the big miners, which I think uh, have a nice tailwind behind them. So that should do better than an insurance company. And already you start to imagine the index should do better over time than, than Suncorp on its own. Good. Thank you. Thanks, guys. All right. We did two questions in one there. So let's get to the next on the list. And uh, don't forget, if you're watching now, this is information only. This isn't specific financial advice. So you do need to take things in context, do your own research, get advice if you need it. Uh, but the next on the list is Lendlease LLC, and this is for Jenny. I might start with you on this one. Mm. Um, Michael, wh what do you think, either from a technical, fundamental perspective? Yeah. Uh, it's not a company that has not had its issues in the past. That's, that's right, and um, I think it's had more issues than, than positive surprises um, along the way. So, I mean, on the positive side, you could say, well, you know, the, the share price has, has pulled back recently. Um, there's concerns of, of recession and a slowdown in, in buildings. So if that doesn't eventuate, you might get a bit of a, a relief rally and may, maybe it's too cheap. But you know, on the negative side of the ledger, you know, if you zoom out a bit more, you'll see that Lendlease has been performing poorly for a while. So yeah, even when the market was really kicking goals in 2021, this thing was heading south and and heading under its COVID lows. So it's, it's had issues along the way. It's an unreliable um, business. Um, obviously, they haven't made the best decisions along the way. Um, you know, earnings have disappointed over time. They've had disappointing guidance. So again, I, 
you know, just looking at where we could be surprised positively and how we can be surprised negatively, I just think that it's still too stacked up against Lend-Lease, that, you know, the environment we're heading into, even if we do slightly dodge a recession, um, you know, we're, we're looking at a slowing in demand. And, you know, we'll talk about um, Adelaide Brighton a, a little bit later, um, but we, you know, just in terms of builders, um, but we saw the, the Boral result yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great result. There's still demand there, but you've got to wonder if that's kind of the last hurrah and, uh, and it's about to, to roll over. I mean, can it really get even better than that? Um, I think just as a general construction um, industry comment. So I, I just think it's a little bit too stacked up against then lease and, and I think trying to buy it here on a valuation perspective, hoping that they dodge recession, dodge the bad times, it's a bit bit brave. Okay, so that's an avoid or a sell. Let's get to David Lane on Lend-Lease. Value or or not, considering the economic environment, rates environment that we're in? Yeah, we do think it does have value and, and we've actually got a, a long-term buy recommendation on it. Um, now, I have to admit, I agree with, with everything that Michael said and it's one of those stocks that personally I've, I've failed to get right <laughs> over many, many years. Um, but having said that, the business is going through a, a transformation. So it's sold off its engineering business. It's focusing now on development. Uh, and they're also focusing on outside of Australia. So the US and, uh, and Europe and other parts of the world, which also has some red flags around it because uh, Australian companies haven't necessarily had a great history of, of going offshore. Um, but Lend-Lease, does have long-term value. Uh, our fair value on it is, is $14.45. But having said that, that's really based on a five-year view of them executing this strategy uh, and actually getting the, the long-term value out of their development activities that they're doing. So uh, it's probably one for the brave. Uh, if, you, if you want a stock that you can buy now at, at reasonable value, put away in the drawer for five years, not look at it and not look at the the uh, the volatility of the the short-term um share price uh it's one that that should kick some goals um but as i said uh personally i've i've failed to get this one mm-hmm. right um but the the long-term analyst um you know does have a, a positive view on the stock all right well we will uh, leave you with the official call at uh, words which is a buy now a buy is what ubs calls Elchem. morgans calls it an ad macquarie outperforms city a buy but credit swiss morgan stanley and ordman uh, are underweight and Oh, underperform on Alchem. I almost gave it away. What's the, the view on Alchem for Connor from Ords, David? We're actually, yeah, positive on it. We've yeah. got a, a buy recommendation on it. Um, think it's the, the the preferred stock in that lithium sector. Um, over the, the long term, we think that lithium uh, is you know, a, a key part of the decarbonisation and electrification of the, of the world. Uh, and Alchem sits very, very well in, in that space. Over the next few years, we'll continue to see a, uh, a supply deficit, but we are actually seeing a lot of activity in that space. So there's a lot of new um, mines coming on stream in, in China, the US, they've got something like 40 different new lithium projects happening. So there is an enormous amount of activity that will hit the market at some point. So. We're anticipating that from about 2025 onwards that that uh, supply 
will um, you know, start to equalise in terms of the demand. So we could well see uh, some of the, the price of lithium coming off in the future, but in the short term, still pretty positive and uh, we think that, that Orkham is, is well placed and, and have a buy recommendation on it. Thank you. So our uh, target price on there is $22. Got it. Thank you. Uh, Michael Gable, mm. lithium was quite the story in 2022. Lots of positivity yeah. still coming through um, with a lot of these companies. It seems as if uh, Aussie investors are sort of taken with some of the more um, exploratory names, you know, the yeah. real upside. Alcom them is producing, uh, but I do note in its latest quarterly, it was talking about cost blowout. So which side of the fence do you mm. sit on with Alcom? Um, yeah, as, as you mentioned, you know, all you know, investors are talking about it. Everyone's talking about lithium, um, which is, you know, it's a positive and a negative, I, I think. Um, uh, you know, it can, I think it can cause share prices to get a bit, bit frothy at times. Um, and you know trying to um, you know determine whether these things are value or not I mean you just have to look at um, what's happening with with supply and try to figure out prices for um, for the commodity and and as like as you mentioned at the beginning you know some analysts are saying it's worth all the way up here and others are saying no no it's a, everyone's a bit too optimistic it's mm -hmm. it's down there I, I don't know what it's worth I'm happy to to admit that, but um, for us, these lithium stocks would be good trading stocks because they, re because of the the excitement, you really get that momentum going. And we've we've been in and out of these a few times over the last couple of years. Uh, most times we've made money. A couple of times I've you know buggered it up when it's turned around pretty quickly, um, where it's just got well, a little bit. It just takes you know a note from one profit. of the you know the the investment houses, Goldman Sachs set a cat amongst a pigeon a couple of times. That just happens like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. It's um, so it. Yeah, like they, they can be quite difficult um, to get right. Uh, I mean, as, as we've seen recently, the stock was trading up near $16 and um, several weeks later it was trading back at 11 So Well, it's about $12.89 um, $12 right now. So yeah, that's compared to, you know, the ORDS price target of $22, which is quite, you know, quite mm. punchy. So um, when you look at the charts, do you have any indication as to where the I, momentum is for this one? I think the momentum is looking positive again on, on these stocks. So they do look like they're on the way back up. I'd be I'd be happy to buy these. Um, yeah, they're, they're looking like they're, they've got that that swing again and, and they're going to improve. Um, our viewers will notice that, that the share price is down a bit more than the broader market today. Um, I've noticed overnight that there was some news out of um, Argentina where, um, where AKU also mm -hmm. operates that they're doing a bit of an Australian government thing where they're trying to, well, they're talking about potentially taking some of those profits that are being generated by some of these lithium producers. So there's there's a bit of news out there at the moment of potential talk of trying to, to access some of the super profits some of these companies are making, but I think that's just causing a bit of short-term weakness. We've seen it here in Australia when, when governments, you know, say one thing, um, share prices come off, but but ultimately they end up uh, reverting back to, to the general sort mm -hmm. of macro, which is, yeah, there's, you know, there's, there's good demand for this and, um, and it should continue for a while longer. So, yeah, short answer, happy to, happy to pick it up here. Okay, interesting. So that's a buy. I missed that news. Uh, I'll be looking into that. Any sort of talk about super profits is always really interesting. Um, let's get to another miner while we're there. And uh, next on the list is Chalice Mining. This is for Matt. 
David, maybe I'll start with you. Chalice, it's got this prospect, this um, potential project, which everybody says is pretty close to Perth, so close to infrastructure, uh, you know, massive sort of discovery. But again, it comes down to, with these companies, CapEx, you know, how much cash is on the balance sheet to fund the development of these projects. And of yep. course, you know, it's a pretty, pretty punchy cost environment right now. So how do, you, how do you square all that when it comes to Chalice? Yeah, you're certainly right that uh, yeah, once they get the, um, the uh, I suppose the approval or the um, the feasibility study through, then they've got to look at, at funding it. Um, but we haven't really seen too much investment in new mines, uh, and particularly in in the nickel copper. Both of those commodities are, are very important. Again, as we head down the decarbonisation path, so there, uh, yeah, the mining in the right space uh, as you said it's it's close to infrastructure so we we like it we think that uh, it, it's a business that or a, a company that, that has a lot of prospect We've got a speculative buy on it because it is a an explorer and there are a lot of uncertainties down the track um, but you know from a, a speculative point of view uh, our target price is 730 on it um, currently trading at about 642 so we think that there's some upside in it um but yeah we're obviously reliant on the you know the the feasibility study which should uh drop in the near future got it so that is a specky buy um michael when you look at these companies again mm. when they're in that exploratory phase still um you know it's been upgrading its its target it's a uh, second quarter or sorry december recorder report upgraded the resource estimate at one of its deposits but again are these sort of specky exploratory companies yeah. just trading stocks for you yeah definitely um but you know they're in the they're in the sweet spot uh, at the moment again with the macro in terms of supply constraints for commodities commodity prices doing well us dollar generally heading back so even though you know at the top of the show i said okay zip they're not making any money stay away from it yeah that's because the market you know, there was a time to trade zip where no one cared they weren't making money, but now is not the time. Even though this one you know, is is not making you know all, all the profits, yeah. um, we're in the right part of the cycle where the market doesn't care about that at the moment because we're looking out over the next couple of years um, at, at the potential for these. So it wouldn't be a long-term hold if they just continue to to, to drill holes everywhere and um, and don't don't turn a profit, but. You know the share price can do extremely well in the meantime so they're worth the trade they're in the right area um, again there was a little bit of overnight interest in in this one that you might not have seen uh, no news but a rumor that there was a big block trade done yesterday um, the purchase of shares yeah just rumors that it could have been gina reinhardt or, oh, right. or someone like that so i mean it hasn't done much for the share price today but um, it's definitely one to look at i'd be I really like the way this is trading. Um, to me, based on the chart, I'd be looking at, you know, if it could break above about 670, 680, I'd call that a, an upside break and I'd be I'd be following that one um, and you could get a swift move. So 642 I'd, right now. So you would you would sort of hold, I'd have it as a hold. hold your powder. It's not doing anything wrong with the way it's trading, but for the next um, uh, the next phase, mm -hmm. uh, I'd be I'd be looking at a break above those levels to you know add to the position or buy it if I wasn't in it. Okay, there we go. That uh, brings us to lucky number five on the list. Let's get the 
bit of a sum up, let these guys take a breather. Elders, the stock of the day, it was a hold for both of my guests uh, to a sell. I mean, Michael would be looking for an exit if we see a further share price recovery after the drop that we saw yesterday. Um, yeah, you know, we've got David saying that Elders is reasonably priced at the current levels. Uh, could add at uh, any time if you see some sort of a pullback. Um, now, Zip is the first nominated by you. It's a hold at Ordmanet with a price target of 70 cents. It's an avoid for Michael. He says now is not the time to be looking at these companies. Uh, the party is not returning for these companies anytime soon. IAG, it's an avoid or a sell for Michael. Um, it's as good as it's gets, it's as good as it's going to get, and it would also be a sell for Suncorp in relation to whether you'd want to hold Suncorp or the index. He says, just look at the composition of the index. You'd have more luck with the miners in particular being a tailwind to your portfolio. Um, David says uh, it's a hold at best for IAG. It's got exposure to those floods in New Zealand, fortunately for everybody there. Uh, Suncorp, he does see fair value at around $13. He would hold it as it goes through its transformation. It's a buy for Lendlease officially from Ordmanet, although David admits that he's not had this, uh, the easiest of, of companies to get a handle on. It is one for the brave, is what he says. It's a sell. For uh, Michael, he says you never know when you're going to get a negative surprise from this one. And also, you know, potentially just not in the best uh, geographies at this point in the cycle. Alchem, it's a buy, so it's a buy from both of my guests. Um, yeah, Michael likes the momentum. He says they've all, the lithium place has been uh, good trading stocks, but right now Alchem has that swing that he likes to see. Alchem, again, it's a buy. It's the preferred stock for the guys at Ords and David Lane in the lithium space. And Chalice, it's a specky buy. You heard why, $7.30, the price target. And Michael really likes the way this one is moving. He'd be looking to buy in when the momentum picks up at around that $6.17 level. Uh, so that was a great uh, half hour or so. Just a reminder, we've got our own high conviction fund picked by our investment committee. Now we just put up the latest investment committee online at osbiz.com.au. You can look for it there. Just go to the top of the website. And if you click investment committee under the series link, you should find it. Uh, so let's check in with the portfolio update in February. We saw Aristocrat and JB Hi-Fi removed. I'm not surprised with JB Hi-Fi considering what we're seeing with rates right now, but we did have Paradigm and New Century Resources added. Plus Boss Energy, BHP and CSL also saw their weightings increased. So what's the performance doing? I think elders would have been a weight over the past day or so, but so far the fund is up by more than 14% on a cumulative return basis since its inception on March the 1st. So keep sending those requests in. We will keep putting them to our guests here on the call and they will eventually, if they're worthy or really not, they'll make their way to the investment committee for consideration. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. All right, next up, we've got Woodside and the energy space, Adbri, ABCs, the ticker code there. 
Aussie Broadband, ABB. We're going to skip Suncorp because we've already done it. And Metcash. So we've got uh, consumer price inflation. Also, lots of people looking for a bit of defensiveness in their portfolios. Is Metcash the way to gain it? We'll find out. Let's start, though, with Woodside. Let's start in Brisbane with David Lane from Ordmanet. This is for Nick. Hey, Nick, I hope you're listening out there. Uh, look, these energy plays are expected to still pay out pretty good dividends come reporting season. Would you be buying, holding, or selling Woodside, David? Well, a little uh, accumulating okay. <laughs> is our, is our uh, forecast on that. Um, so accumulate effectively means that we, we like the stock, uh, we would be buying, but probably waiting for a, a little bit better pricing. And overall, we've seen the market very, very strongly and Woodside's prices uh, done very well over the last couple of years. Uh, we do have a, a longer term forecast of uh, $43 on it. So I think it will go higher. As you said, uh, they've had a really strong period. They're paying out very strong dividends. But I would just caution that in that they've had a, a great year. Uh, our forecasts are that in 2024 that their earnings will decline and that their dividends probably going to decline still be very very high um still a dividend yield of around 7.6 percent fully franked um but not as high as what we've seen over the the last 12 months um but it is a great business uh in the in the gas sector they they export uh the lng um, mainly to china but but all around the world uh and they've actually started to export uh, to Germany now that Russia isn't able to, to produce uh, or to sell gas. Uh, so they've been a beneficiary there. It is a, a good core business. Most of my clients' portfolios have it in there already. Um, and I'd be certainly holding it and accumulating if we see a little bit of price weakness in the near future. Thank you. Michael, agree, disagree, mm. other? No, I, I agree. Um, I think that over the next year or two, energy stocks can still do well. There's, uh, we all know about the um, underinvestment in, in oil and gas, and I think the, the benefits will continue for, for a bit longer. Um, yeah, and as David mentioned, you know, they've now got those exports over to Germany as well. So I think you know, things are still heading in the right direction. I think the only negative, I mean, you could argue that, that Woodside's a bit more expensive than, than some of its peers, but it's actually performing better. When you look at um, how Santos and Beach have been performing, you know, Santos' share price isn't, you know, it can't, can't really get moving. Beach has had some, some issues with, with cost blowouts and contractors. So, um, yeah, I'd be happy to hold Woodside. And um, as David mentioned, if you, can, if you can get it, like you've got this big sort of up, like messy looking uptrend. So I think if you see it back to the bottom of that, that trend, um, that, that'd be the better time to pick it up, you know, closer to $34, $35. Okay, but that's a hold right now. Yeah, it'd be a hold. Okay, thank you. Um, Adbri, Adelaide Brighton, Adbri, I should just call it that, right? Um, <laughs> it's just old habits die hard. ABC is the ticker code. This one is for Phil. Look, um, Michael, I'm in two minds about Adbri and the outlook for the building sector. I mean, mm. it's been so hot. Um, yeah. You know, there are still a lot of infrastructure projects going ahead. There is still a lot of building going ahead. But, you know, you've got to think that there is some exposure to not just inflationary pressures themselves, but, uh, you know, also the impact of rising rates. How, how do you yeah. read the scenario for some of these building products, building um, associated companies? Yeah, it's... Um I guess I, I 
you know, before yesterday, I would have said, yeah, look, the outlook looks a bit, um, a bit tricky. And then we had the borrow result yesterday, mm. and, um, and and it was pretty good. So um, I still think we're getting towards the end of of that that sweet spot, and things will cool off. But you know, the market's just not sure how to, you know, how far it will cool off, and um, and and how much to you know factor that in with the share prices. I guess with with um, with ABC, we. They have, I mean, in terms of the way the company's been run and its history of earnings announcements and guidance, they have disappointed. So there is that that poorer track record as to um, you know, how the share price performs and um, in relation to the business. So I, I think if you were holding this, um, because it, it, is, it has been ticking up over the last couple of months, longer term it's in a downtrend. It's been ticking up the last couple of months you get that nice result from Boral yesterday. The shares were up a bit yesterday in relation to that. So I think coming into the result, potentially how you could play this is if the share price improves as investors think, oh, maybe it won't be as bad as, as, as we think because that, that other one was pretty mm-hmm. good. And then I'd sell into strength just before the result because on you know the history with this company has been that they end up disappointing with, with their guidance or, or there is some, some sort of um, shock that's uh, you know not not as good. So I'd be surprised if it runs up into the result, and then and then continues to go well after that. I'd be I'd be quite surprised. Okay, so that's all. That's a trade. You know, going into yeah. the result. I should check out when they actually do report. Don't know it off the top of my head. There are so many companies reporting in the next week or so. Ad bribe for you, David, because you know one potential positive is that you know fingers crossed there won't be as much weather impact going forward. What do you expect from the upcoming reports, and would you be buying, holding, or selling it? Yeah, pretty much agree with everything that that Michael has said. Uh, we've got a hold recommendation on it. Uh, our target price is one eighty seven, so they're pretty much trading at about that price. Uh, and again, reading in from the Boral result, they actually had a, a pretty positive um, read through in terms of the, the cement uh, business, which could be read through as a positive as far as the overall sector is concerned for Adbri. But then, you know, did they actually get some market share away from Adbri is the, the question there. Um, you know, I think current share price, their reasonable value trading on a PE of 11 times, dividend yield of 6.5%. Uh, so if you're in it for the dividend yield, I'd, I'd be holding it. Um, probably not a stock I'd be trying to trade um, you know, in advance of a result. Uh, you're probably not going to get too much of a move either way. Um, but if it's in your portfolio, I'd be holding it. Thank you. Got it. Uh, that is Adbri. And I looked it up. 28th of Feb is when they report. Multitasking up here. You're welcome. All right. Let's get to the next on the list, which is Aussie Broadband, ABB. This one is for Randy. Uh, Look, ABB was a market darling. I think the gloss has come off slightly uh, in the past little while. Just look to see what uh, a lot of the other brokers are calling for the company. Um, We've got an outperform from Credit Suisse. We've got an underweight initiation of coverage from Morgan Stanley. Um, So yeah, it's, uh, there you go. There's the share price that has been impacted over the past year or so. David, let's start with you. What is ORDS rate uh, ABB? Yeah, we've got a buy on the stock. Um, our target price is 361. I think it's a, a well-managed business. They uh, bought over the wire uh, probably 12 or 18 months ago now, and, and that integration has been going very well. It's meant that they're getting a greater exposure to the, uh, the business sector. And generally across the board, we're seeing a 
a big uptake in uh, fibre to the the premise uh, through the NBN and, and Aussie Broadband has a good exposure there. Um, I have to admit that personally we've we've recently changed across there and their customer service was excellent. Uh, Keep hearing about this customer service with Aussie Broadband. <laughs> <laughs> it's tempting. Yes, and, and that's been one of it, its keys to success. And uh, yeah, they, they have been gaining market share in that space, and and we like it. Um, but. Having said that, it is still a business that uh, you know, isn't isn't uh, making money. They're not paying a, a dividend at this point in time, so you are really looking at it for the long term growth uh, of the the business. But I think, um, Michael, you know, it, it's always mm. a competitive business, uh, internet service providers. So, do you think that you know there will have to be, particularly as the cost of living squeeze really starts to bite, yeah. you know, the price cuts, uh, or is internet just you know such an essential service now that they can pretty much charge what they want? Feels like that. Yeah, sometimes. it is. It is. I think it it would be a bit sticky. The you know the internet service, um, it is a very competitive industry. I mean over over the last couple of years, you know, analysts have been very, very positive on the stock, but it does have a history of providing you know, earnings and guidance, which isn't quite sort of living up to the lofty expectations. And, um, and apart from, I think it was Morgan Stanley that just initiated coverage, um, you know, analysts, analysts are still quite positive on it. So um, maybe, maybe they're still being a bit, bit unrealistic. I mean, the, the share price is sort of lifted up from about $2 to $3 over the past few months. I mean, there's a little bit of momentum in there. I'd be happy to to stick with that. But um, I just think it's high risk because when I look back over the last over the last year, there's been, you know, on my eye, a few occasions where it's dropped quite a lot mm-hmm. in one day on obviously a, um, some sort of disappointing announcement or, or guidance update. So um, heading the right way, higher risk, hopefully... Um, the next time we hear from the business, those competitive pressures aren't, uh, aren't as great as they have been in the past and, um, you know, they're hitting their targets. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we want to keep an eye on the average revenue per user metric there. Now that brings us to the last on our list. It is in the consumer staples space. Uh, let's get to Metcash. And this one is for Alan. Um, Michael, I'll start with you because we're Mm. here in studio and uh, Metcash. So we always talk about it in the context of Woolies, of uh, Coles. Do you need one of these companies in your portfolio for a bit of defensiveness? You know, as we continue to go through a period where perhaps discretionary retail spending is wound back, but you can't fully, uh, you know, pull back on your on your staple spending. That's that's right. Um, I think whether you need one in the portfolio or not, I just think if it looks like the share price is going to head south, then then you don't need it. Mm-hmm. Um, the best defense is just to hold some cash, really. Um, so I don't think at the moment you need to have any of these, um, you know, these these sorts of stocks. I mean, Coles and Woolies have had a, a nice run recently. Uh, as an example, we we had a bit of we had some Coles um, exposure that we got rid of a couple of days ago. I just think it went up a bit bit too much, and there was only a little profit there. I think you know I was happy to. To remove that, um, but coming back to Metcash, um, you know the cash flow recently has been been fairly weak. Um, there have been cost pressures. Um, we know that a bit of inflation can help these players, but um, yeah, and it looks cheap. I think it's on a P of about eleven or eleven, twelve, thirteen. But but they're only expecting earnings growth growth of about one percent. So yeah, that could easily yeah 
be, be a zero or, or, or a negative number. So um, I don't think it's cheap enough to be buying here. In terms of the way it's trading on the chart over the past sort of year and a bit, to me, it looks like a really big topping pattern. So the reason why I say that is it, it always seems to come back to about 383.90, bounces for a bit, ends up sold back down to that 383.90. So there continues to be selling pressure anytime it gets a bit over $4. Um, and if it does break to the underneath of 380, watch out because because that's where all the obvious stop levels are. So I think I think it's an avoid at the moment. Okay. It'd be a sell here if I was holding it. Sell if you're holding it. What about you there at uh, Ord Minette, David? Because you know inflation can be good for these companies, but it can also be bad. Their costs are rising. Also, you know, in this cost of living environment, there could be the potential for yeah. you know really thinner margins. Um, and you know, really pressure being put on underlying earnings growth. But there are some positives. You know, supply chains are easing up. I'm still seeing, you know, the fact that there's uh, empty grocery store shelves in, in some grocery stores. So how does this all play out for Metcash? Yeah, you're right. That uh, in the inflationary environment, that the, the grocery retailers are generally able to to uh, push those prices through, which is what we're all feeling in our own uh, back pockets which can then lead to uh, a change in, in buying habits. Um, Metcash specifically, I guess the concern that we're seeing is that um, Aldi seems to be gaining further market share against Coles, Woolies and, and Metcash. And Metcash's business predominantly is through your, your local grocery stores, whereas Coles and Woolies have been investing a lot in their, their online business. So there's the, the potential that we see a further weakness there in terms of uh, market share. Um, Metcash does have, have some exposure to the hardware sector and they've been acquiring businesses in that space. So that's probably a, an upside to it. Um, but we've recently reduced the, the recommendation. We did have a buy recommendation. Now it's on a hold, um, partly due to analysts changes but then also partly due to the fact that they're currently trading around four dollars our fair value on its uh, 380 so we can't see compelling value in it at the moment and as you said it is a sector that um, historically most portfolios have held at least one grocery retail in it or retailer in in it um, but in the current environment moving towards the the uh, inflationary period um, no real compelling reason to be holding it um, you know, or, or buying new uh, positions in it. If you've got it, I'd be holding it. But yeah, wouldn't necessarily be buying any more Metcash uh, at this point. All right. Well, thank you. I think that was a good note to leave it on this week when we've seen interest rates rise by 25 basis points. And we've learned that they will continue to do so for the, at least uh, the next couple of months, if you believe the revised uh, forecast from Commonwealth Bank. All right, guys, that brings us to the end. I'll quickly sum it up. So Woodside, that was a hold from both of my guests or an accumulate more specifically from David Lane at Ordmanet. It's a good core business for portfolios. Adbry, it's a hold. Uh, it reports on the 28th of Feb. That's the date that Michael reckons might be just the time you want to sell out before sell into strength. He reckons it could run up before then. Aussie Broadband, bit of disagreement here. We've got a buy from the team at Ord Minette. The uh, target price is $3.61. It's a hold though. Uh, you know, look, Michael just says it's high risk in his view. 
Uh, Metcash, so no need from both of my guests, or actually I should say more specifically, Michael, to have any of the grocery store retailers in your portfolio. He says, if you're looking for defense, the best defense is cash. And I know there'll be a few viewers out there that write in and say, see, cash is king. Anyways, it's a sell for him. It's not cheap enough to be buying. It's a hold for the team at Ordmanette revised down from a buy. Uh, like there's no real compelling reason, he says, in this inflationary environment, competitive environment to be buying and adding to positions in your portfolio. Well, my orange pen has worked throughout this hour. I hope you enjoyed it. A huge thanks to you, David Lane at Ordmanet, for joining us from Brisbane. We always enjoy your insights and analysis. Have a good one. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. And Michael um, Gable from Fairmont Equities, thank you as well. Nice to see you in studio you. and love the balance between technical and fundamental as well. We'll see you soon. We'll hopefully see you soon. That is the call for today. If you've missed anything, you can catch up online or via the podcast. Please do email us your picks. We've been flooded with picks and we will get them to air. The call at ausbiz.com.au. You can also tweet to us. We're at Ausbiz TV. Stay with us. We'll bring you through the pulse, get you updated on what's happening out there here and now with Andrew Gagan live. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.